0: The following program is a production of the Bar Room Network. It is intended for all audiences. Doug Buffone. This defense sucks. This is moronic.
1: John Buffone. Your best run plays are coming off end arounds. There's a problem.
0: Doug was behind the microphone first. He never held back. Very difficult to score when your offense is on the bench. When your defense is out there giving up 70, 80, 70, 64 yard drives.
1: Now it's his nephew, John, and there's no holding this
0: buffoon back
1: either. The biggest thing that affected Justin Fields was a coaching change. And now he has an offensive coordinator and he actually will fit a scheme to the quarterback. Something we have not seen in a long time. I've had it. I I
2: want somebody to get kicked in the ass.
1: When I see Twitter polls and national media and fans weighing in on who is going to have the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft and I see people commenting Chicago and it's not even close then yeah, you know what? I'm going to get a little defensive. I
0: got my ass whipped many times but I tell you I took somebody down with me.
1: I don't think the Bears are a two to three win team. So to answer your question, no, the Bears aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's Buffon 55 the John Buffone show hello and Welcome to another edition of Buffone 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down the Chicago Bears. I am your host, John Buffone, and with me as always is my co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa, pretty busy week, I'd say. The Bears give up 49 points to the Cowboys. They trade one of their best defensive players. They bring in a wide receiver, and now they got to get ready to host the Dolphins. How are you holding up over there?
3: I feel like I've written a month's worth of content in the span of like a week. It's been, it's been busy. Uh, my goodness. It, I mean, you go, go from that, from that loss to, to everything that happened with the trade deadline. I mean, like I have not moved from my chair.
1: I was going to say your your typing hands are got to be just exhausted because you're you're there's so much stuff going on. It, it, it's, it was almost like an off season that was crunched into a four day period. You got you got to cover a game and then you got you tra- people getting traded away, people getting traded to Chicago, and now it's like oh by the way you got to play a game on Sunday, so we got to we got to start previewing that. So it's it's been pretty eventful, I'd say.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I feel like. The game is like, I don't know. I feel like the game should be like a week away still. Like you said, like the whole offseason vibe. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, it's just crammed like crammed all into one. And I'm like, I'm like kind of like thrown off a little bit, which is so not like me, but hey, I'm still chugging along and caffeine has been my friend this week.
1: It feels like the Dallas game happened about a year ago, but it, it yes. still, it's still last week. But listen, we got a great guest lined up tonight to help us better understand a very interesting Miami Dolphins team. But just in case this is someone's first time listening or watching Buffon 55, Alyssa, can you give us a rundown of how this show works?
3: Absolutely. So Buffon 55 has three segments, and we always begin with our guest. And this week, we'll be talking to Jason Sarney from DolphinsWire.com. That's followed by our B55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions, and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. We then finish things up with a free-for-all we call Buffon's Basement, where Aldo Gandia joins John and me, and the three of us see if we can make sense of a quite quite a busy week that's happened here. So, John, take it away.
1: Thank you, Alyssa. Like you said, our guest tonight is Jason Sarni, contributor to the website DolphinsWire.com. We welcome Jason on the show. Jason, how you doing? Appreciate you being on.
2: Hey, thank you both for having me. I appreciate you having me on. So glad to be here. Thanks so much. Absolutely. This is a pretty interesting matchup for in
1: Definitely an interesting team in the Miami Dolphins. So, there's been no shortage of headlines around the Dolphins this year, starting with their bold offseason moves to help bolster the weapons around their quarterback, Tua. And, uh, you know, yesterday's announcement bringing in Bradley Chubb uh, for a first round pick. Listen, the GM, Chris Greer, and the head coach, Mike McDaniel, met with the media yesterday. What did they say? about that Chubb trade. It kind of appears like they're all in on trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Is that the vibe you're
2: getting? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a vibe that basically was set up with all these moves that Chris Greer has been making for the last few seasons. The joke around Dolphin Town is the MVP of the Miami Dolphins is right now Laramie Tunzel, who plays for the Houston Texans. But we received such a haul that has now included Bradley Chubb in that haul, a Jalen Waddle. Jalen Phillips, Javon Hollis, so many players now have been part of that trade. So really the joke was with Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel, he was actually asked point blank, when did this conversation start about Chubb? Verbatim, Mike McDaniels in his joking personality said uh, during my interview. So that was a really fun, really hand shown on how much value that Coach McDaniel has on pass rushers and Bradley Chubb to begin with and he works in such cohesion with Greer, they filled in their massive need, which is a pass rush right now this season.
3: And Jason, as you all know, Tua Tagovailoa is tearing apart opponents with his passing accuracy. He's the only player in the league to complete over 60% of the passes that have traveled at least 10 yards in the air. And this past game, he was 15 of 19 for 302 yards with two touchdowns and no interceptions in passes that traveled at least 10 yards. Just staggering stats from CBS Sports. But aside from the obvious, the addition of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, is there anything else behind Tua's improved play?
2: I'm going to say something that's a little cliche and it's a little outside of the lines: Confidence. The coaching confidence that Mike McDaniel has instilled in just the raw ability is night and day from the past few seasons. There's no quarterback controversy in terms of Ryan Fitzpatrick is another quarterback going to be traded for, you know, and not to open up the last year can of worms with the previous coaching staff. There was zero confidence in Tua, and it kind of came to a boiling point late, late last season. So completely different 180, and we're seeing what confidence could do with, of course, a Tariq Hill, an improved offensive line, Jalen Waddell coming into his sophomore season season, blowing up his yards per catch he doubled actually that from last season to this season averaging about 17 yards per catch
1: so listen Jason if the Bears are going to have any chance of beating the Dolphins they will have to figure out a way to get to Tua and that's not going to be easy given that they're 28th in sacks and now they no longer have Robert Quinn or Roquan Smith so tell us are there any weaknesses in the Dolphins offensive line that the Bears might be
2: able to focus on uh and where are the strengths of that line That's definitely a loaded question, Uh, and I'll try to give the best answer possible because it might be a loaded answer because they are dealing with an injury at their arguable weak link at left guard. Now, the left guard spot was held by Liam Eikenberg, and those of you in the Midwest and Bears fans who might be aware of his Notre Dame days was really a fantastic player, just really hasn't materialized this year. A couple of penalties, just really hasn't looked good. So there is kind of a a question mark there, will it be a guy who's lifted off the practice squad and a Robert Jones? Will it be a reserve in Wisconsin Badger from a few years back, Michael Dieter? Because they've used Connor Williams at the center spot, who's looked very good. I will say this, and much to the chagrin of Dolphin fans, little bit of high snap issues on Connor Williams because he's moved from left guard when he was a cowboy to the center role. Fantastic center in terms of calling out the plays and blocking in the scheme. But that's a what I would say could be a massive momentum killer, a high snap.
1: I, I got to follow up on this real quick because it was just brought up in the chat room by Saint Omni. It says Mike Mike McDaniel pressers seem like they are pretty fun.
2: Uh, can you can you tell, talk us through some of those pressers? Fun is definitely a good word, but unique, enjoyable, entertaining. Sometimes he answers a quick, what could be a quick response. Into such a long answer, but it's so enjoyable. He gets the writers involved. Uh, one of my favorite writers, a gentleman by the name of Barry Jackson, structures questions maybe in a way where he'll get two or three out there. And Mike loves to kind of call that out and joke around. And even said to another reporter, What are you, Barry, today? Because there was just, he loves to get involved with the reporters. So, again, a little different than some other previous regimes. And it's really like watching, uh, Take this with a grain of salt. It's watching your frat president end up at a board meeting.
3: <laughs> and I'm sure the success that the Dolphins have gotten off, to is it, certainly helping matters. It's, it's nice when you're winning. Uh, and it looks like the Dolphins are going to be doing a lot of that. Um, but I want to talk about the, the Dolphins' run game for a second. Statistically, you know, it's nothing to holler about. You know, they are 27th in yards gained per attempt at 3.9. Who are the primary ball carriers, and are they doing better than the stats portray?
2: It's a great question. Uh, First few games, it was a very slow and steady progression with Chase Edmonds, who is now no longer a Dolphin, because I don't think he was really fitting in. But Raheem Mostert, who has ties from San Francisco to Mike McDaniel, has been really, the last four or five games, hitting his usual mark. This is a guy who about five weeks ago was the NFL's all-time leader in yards per carry with a minimum of 250 yards. Now he's down to like five. But... The last four games, he's been averaging around 4.9 yards per carry. It's his backfield, but what the Dolphins and Greer did this week and yesterday too was brought in another niner in Jeff Wilson Jr. He might even be able to play because he has more knowledge of the offense than Chase Edmonds did because of his years in San Francisco. So both Chubb and Wilson at practice today wouldn't be surprised to see eight to 12 carries from Jeff Wilson Jr.
1: Well, that's just another thing that Bears fans can worry about. Mainly the, the things that are giving them real respiratory problems are Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Uh, listen, how if, how, if at all, can you contain the speed there? And can you give us kind of a, a roundabout on all the pass catchers, including the tight ends and if, they, if and how they use them?
2: They are used probably at like an 80% target clip. And what they're doing is very, I guess, the chicken or the egg theory with what Alyssa referenced in his distance per attempt. Uh, they are getting so much separation. And that was really the knock on all the Dolphins receivers last year was the lack of separation. There is so much room for these receivers to work. is finding him, finding them, sorry, because he's in a top three or four in getting the ball out and kind of his release point. So it's a perfect marriage. And now you have tight end Mike Isiki kind of coming back, getting assimilated with this new role of an actual tight end where he has to block. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Fourth, fifth options, Trent Shurfield, another 49er guy. Um, And then you have, who's been injured, River Craycraft, another 49er tie. So really, it's guys who have been familiar with this offense, because it is a little bit of a, look, it's run by a Yale graduate who played football there. So there, there's nuances that these guys, uh, there's advantages with having the experience in his offense. So you might not know these guys, but they're performing well. So Trent Sherfield is a guy that I might, unfortunately, create a little bit more respiratory problems out there. Sorry about that.
3: Well, luckily, we're used to it. And uh, yeah. I actually have Jalen Waddle on my fantasy team. So if he goes off, you know, it'll it'll be a little easier for me to handle. There you go. Um, but, <laughs> but Jason, I want to switch to the other side of the football for a little bit. Um, you know, on defense, it's been a little tougher for Miami. There are they've allowed more points than they have scored and they rank 23rd in yards allowed. What's behind those numbers? Is it a lack of a pass rush, a run defense problem? What, what's the cause?
2: I hate using the excuse of injuries, but we're going to start with injuries because Byron Jones, quarterback two opposite Xavier Howard, has not played it down this season. It's still on the PUP list. We don't know if he's going to play it down this year. So that kind of changed the entire defense. When they kind of woke up last year after the 1-7 and start, it was all based on their cover corners, the ability to lock down receivers. And it created blitzing from everywhere else. Quarterbacks couldn't throw, held the ball too much, they got sacked. This year has been kind of a polar opposite. Because Byron has been out, they've had to rotate and find new guys at that cornerback position. Xavier Howard was out one game, so they were down to CB3, CB4 playing 1 and 2. So they've been decimated, and I haven't even mentioned Nick Needham's injury, expert slot corner, and Brandon Jones. So They're really depleted, and that's what helped with making the Bradley-Chubb trade because they need a pass rusher to help their corners out. So I'd say the numbers are injury-based because they've had to kind of change their scheme from a zero blitz to almost like a zone kind of setback system. So let's see what Chubb does to this defense, but it hopefully can get some more pressure on the quarterback. Speaking of pressure on the quarterback, people have compared
1: Justin Fields' development to that of Lamar Jackson. And in week two, uh, Lamar Jackson kind of annihilated the Dolphins' defense. He ran for over 100 yards and threw for over 300 yards and had four touchdowns. Three of them were passing touchdowns. And uh, obviously, Fields has been compared to the trajectory of Josh Allen, who in week three threw for 400 yards done two touchdowns and rushed for 47 uh, as well. So but the Dolphins won both of those games, which is terrifying when you think about it. So uh, how, how, do the, uh, how are the Dolphins going to scheme against a similar athletic quarterback like Justin Fields, who has been having
2: quite a bit of success running the ball since they kind of put it into the offensive scheme? That is specifically what I'm worried about as a running quarterback. Uh, number of years it's been kind of the, uh, the bane of the Dolphins' defensive existence is, is the rushing quarterback. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson... They're the sixth best rushing defense in the league. They've given a one 100-yard performance to Lamar Jackson. So they've held the running backs, but I don't care about overall yardage. I care about when it's like third and 16 and a quarterback like Justin Fields could pick up a first down. I'm more worried about that, believe it or not, than having him throw on third and six, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what a lot of defenses are going to be worried about coming up here. Uh, and Jason, you know, the double doink in our Bears fandom history has scarred us uh, so much that we pay even more attention to special teams than perhaps most fan bases. So I was wondering if you could give us a quick scouting report on the Dolphins special teams. Who are some of the standouts that might be a problem for the Bears?
2: You you walked right into my wheelhouse because I am almost the poster child for Dolphin special teams. No joke there. We'll start with the battery of the long snapper. I'm going to start with a long snapper, folks. But Blake Ferguson was a drafted long snapper. His brother's a long snapper in Buffalo. Their father planned that, believe that or not. So Blake Ferguson has this thing down to a science. So as I say that, please, Blake, do not mess up on Sunday. But he's perfect. He snaps the ball to a holder in Thomas Morstead, who's the punter, who's new, and everyone knows Thomas Morstead from that onside kick against the Colts from the Saints Super Bowl. So he's an expert special teamer. Kicking the ball is Jason Sanders who's a few years removed from an all-pro season. Last year had the complete yips. But I had a fun little experiment with the last year's punter slash holder versus Thomas Morstead this year as a holder. and has a completely different kind of scheme to it. So That could be helping Sanders kind of a little bit more this year kick the ball. He hasn't had as much opportunity as maybe two years ago or even last year, but hopefully Sanders is back on track. And you guys want to know about return people, but there are no really good return people. They're 31st in the league in both punt return and kick return. So haven't figured that aspect out yet, but that punter and kicker combo can be very, very potent when they're right, when they're on.
1: Listen, uh, we, right now the spread's sitting at right around five in favor of the of the Dolphins. So if we ask you for a prediction, we're not at, we're not expecting you to sugarcoat it and say that the Bears are going to win this because we don't think that's what you really think. And why should you? Uh, so, but if, if you had to think, if you had to predict whether or not the the Bears can keep
2: it within five, keep it within one score, do you think this is going to be a close game, or do you think this could get out of hand? Um, you know what, with a quarterback like a Justin Fields who has that dual threat. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong. There could be the field could be an issue, maybe in Chicago. The weather could always be an issue. When, when
1: isn't
2: it? Yeah. So the intangibles allow me to say that this could be a closer game than us Dolphin fans would like to see. Similar to Detroit, but uh, I do think that uh, uh, I don't want to use the word cover because I don't necessarily. I think the Dolphins could, but I think that we're going to still be watching with, you know hearts beating in the fourth quarter, us Stoffman fans, if that helps. It does
1: help just a tiny bit, that we can
2: we can take some solace in that.
1: I do want to take some user questions before we let you go. Uh, this one's first from Cliff. Question, Jason, who is the biggest, who's the bigger threat to the Bears this week? Is it going to be Tyreek Hill? or going to be uh, Jalen Waddle?
2: It's a great question. I did take a perusal at Cliff's previous question. Yes, I am Queens-born and Long Island-raised in New York, so I appreciate <laughs> you pointing that out. But, uh... <laughs> It's a great question with Tariq versus Waddle, you know, uh they're very 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 similar, but you guys have to be worried about Tariq because he might not be Randy Moss, but that's his idol, that's who he plays after, so I I don't it's not you you got Moss, I say Tariq's there somewhere. That's the play. Tariq's there somewhere. So if, if you see that arch of a 50-yard ball, Tariq's there somewhere.
1: And then let's kick it to St. Omni. He said, is it hard for Finns to having Ross as the owner? Well, a lot of owner talk today as far as franchises go. Uh, what's the uh, public opinion on, uh, on Ross as the owner?
2: Oh, boy. you're uh, oof, uh, Can I plead the fifth? Am I allowed yeah. to do that? <laughs>
1: can I, that I do of, that? Kind of explains <laughs> the feeling If you, in that. In I'll that plead
2: case. the fifth. I'll knock the water down and I'll run away. I'll be a, a living jiff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna stick to it. I'm, I'm literally no, pleading the no, fifth. that's fine. That, that's that, that's all we that's
1: all we really needed to know. That's kind of that kind of speaks volumes. And then one more. Uh, let, me
2: just do, let me just actually say one thing. In his, in Stephen Ross has put a a garden of Eden together with, with that stadium, mm-hmm. and he has done everything in his power to make this stuff happen. And when I say that, sometimes exceeded the power. So you yeah. you know you know in no fault of effort yeah. and money and trying. But sometimes things go a little astray.
1: And that's Somebody. all I'll say.
2: <laughs> I say by, by any means
1: necessary, sometimes really does mean that, by any means necessary. And that's really.
2: why we have no first-round picks next year. Not right. just because of Bradley Chubb.
1: Exactly. And uh, one more question here from Jordan. Just wanted to uh, ask what you personally think of the Chubb trade and then any update on uh, Byron Jones' return.
2: Just what the doctor ordered with, with needing a pass rush. It was an absolute perfect move. I really am very confident that he could be the difference maker. Uh, make the cornerbacks, make the safeties jobs a little easier. And uh yeah, I, I'm I'm all in. You know, I really think that this was the move to let all of the fans know, all of the supporters know that it's not just to make the playoffs, it's not just to win a playoff game. They're going for it. And they're not shy to say Super Bowl right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Any any update on uh, Byron Jones, by chance?
2: Gone to head. I don't. Th- I don't think he plays okay. the rest of the year. Gone to head. The rest of the year. The rest of the year. Oh, he's yeah. certainly not playing on Sunday. I mean, right. it's like the same answer, you know, over and over again. No update. No update. He's here working. There's no update in sight. I mean, there's literally no return in sight.
1: So this is a, a case where no news is bad news, kind of thing. <laughs> you I'll say something.
2: It. I'll say something that a former boss once told me in a sales job. No news is no news
1: <laughs> and you can take that to the bank or wherever you want to take i'm sorry it.
2: to be cryptic folks no, but, no uh, I, I give what i got
1: no that's it and we wouldn't give us what you got and don't make anything up that we we can appreciate we can appreciate that 100 <laughs> percent.
2: put that on the tombstone
1: that's right hey <laughs> before we kick you out of here tell people how they can uh read your stuff and see your work and interact with you on social media
2: i oh, appreciate that and thanks again for having me this was a lot of fun uh i'm on twitter very easy uh at jason underscore sarny I'm at Dolphins Wire, uh, which is through USA Today. And uh, I just recently will be starting a show over on the Miami Sports Music YouTube Network. I'll have my first show tomorrow, Thursday night kickoff. So uh, that should be a fun little venture heading into Bears Miami.
1: We're looking forward to it. And hey, we appreciate you being on Buffon 55. That's Jason Sarney, contributor to the website, DolphinsWire.com. Thank you so much. And like I say to all of our guests, we will catch up to you uh, for Super Bowl week when the uh, Dolphins Bears kick off.
2: Oh, boy, that would be fantastic.
1: <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Jason. We appreciate you. Have we'll a great be back guys. With more Buffon 55 right after this.
0: We're going to Baltimore. The Wire is the best
1: show all time and i've never seen such riveting tv where i actually felt like i was in eastern west baltimore every single episode and um
0: it was just absolutely riveting and captive captivating from season one all the way to season you know
1: to it finished up and i'd put true detective up there i you kind know, woody harrelson i mean come on it was just so well shot so well written directed like i don't, i feel like it's underrated as far as that list goes really good <laughs>
3: welcome back to Buffone 55 now it's time for our b55 segment that's when i asked john five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds the 55 is john's tribute to the great doug Buffone, his uncle who played 15 seasons with the bears and wore number 55 so john we have a lot to cover are you ready
1: oh i'm ready for this one we got a lot to talk about <laughs>
3: So, John, you know, let's start with one of the two biggest stories from this week. The Bears traded linebacker Roquan Smith to the Ravens for a second round pick, a fifth round pick and linebacker AJ Klein. What are your thoughts on the Bears trading the former eighth overall pick? You have 55 seconds. Go.
1: Well, I was surprised. I didn't think they were going to trade him mid-season. I thought they were going to try to maybe reconcile things with an extension or at the very least franchise tag him. But there could have been a few things at play here. Maybe things really did sour back in August when he's, you know, representing himself, he doesn't have an agent, and he goes public with that statement that kind of indirectly rips Ryan Poles, and then he's asking the McCassies to get involved, and he's asking to be traded. But maybe this is more about them just wanting to go in a different direction, a direction – that doesn't involve paying an off-ball linebacker 20 to $25 million? Could could this be more about drafting defense and paying offense? We've seen what happens when you have the four or five biggest contracts on your team going to defensive players. You get a flash-in-the-pan season every once in a while, and then you're back to mediocrity or possibly worse. So as much as I like Roquan and I really appreciate what he did for this Bears team, I get it. And, and, they, and what they did after trading Roquan, that kind of makes sense.
3: Yeah, I would say I'm not shocked, but I was surprised when it happened. But considering everything that happened this offseason, it just never felt like these two were like the both sides were going to come to an agreement. And it kind of just felt like we were kind of kicking the can to the future until eventually that comes. And it, it felt like Ryan Poles kind of realized, OK, well, you know, they've never found that middle ground with the contract. So, you know, why not get some draft capital for roquan who who like you said you know not going to be they didn't foresee him being part of the, of the organization you know after they didn't come to terms there and you know looking at the roquan trade and the robert quinn trade and obviously the move that happened after it really felt like a shift in philosophy where right. you know for so long as bears fans it's been all about defense and now it kind of felt like in trading away key cornerstone defensive players and starting to build around Justin Fields, Ryan Poles is prioritizing offense, which is what we have been begging this organization to do. So, I mean, disappointing. I mean, obviously love Roquan, but you know, it's a move that it felt like it was inevitable, but Hey, at least the bears are able to get some draft capital out of it. And because of that, I think it led to the next thing that we're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, you're you're 100% right and I think you saw the the actual shift in philosophy where it's it's not like hey, we got to make sure we have a top 5 defense every year because if we don't the offense can only score, you know, 6 points a game. We got to win every game, you know, 9 to 6. So, uh you're seeing the the possible shift to say we got a young quarterback on a rookie deal. We're going to try to invest around him and we're going to put a lot more assets into that. And so, we'll see. I think the offseason is going to be very telling, but this was a first step towards that.
3: Absolutely, it's kind of like a welcome to the modern NFL, Bears. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, the second biggest storyline of the week was the acquisition of former Notre Dame star receiver Chase Claypool. John, are you were surrounded by Steelers fans? What mm-hmm. are you hearing? And more importantly, what do you say about the trade? <laughs>
1: So this one kind of surprised me, even though I talked about Chase Claypool being one of the few trade targets the Bears could go after all year. Uh, By the way, we really struck out last week saying the Bears were likely done making deals. Good job, guys. Uh, But what kills me is that everyone thinks a team has to get fleeced in a deal. For some reason, it's impossible that both teams benefit from a trade. Listen, the Steelers had an excess of weapons. The Bears do not, but they have some spendable draft capital and a ton of cap space next year. We know the free agent market is absolutely atrocious next year at wide receiver, so maybe they use that cap space on building up the offensive line or finding a three-technique defensive lineman. And then they can still draft a wide receiver if they want, and they're going to give Justin Fields Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, possibly a rookie. Bayless Jones is your four. That's pretty good. And we saw Kadarius Toney get get traded for a three and a six. So if you think the Bears overpaid, that's fine. But he Kadarius Toney got traded basically just for his potential. So you got to pay what the market dictates. And apparently the Packers were in on this too.
3: Yeah, that that's what makes it all the sweeter too is the fact that they were able to kind of you know steal uh, Claypool from the Packers and now we just have depressed Packers fans and Aaron Rodgers is still pouting on the sideline. But you know, like you said, that's the one thing that people. Or you see critics of the trade, especially like the national media, that are focusing on is what the Bears gave up, because they did give up their own second round pick. And yes, I understand it has the potential to be a top 40 draft pick. Sure. But when you kind of look at receivers, I saw this on Twitter uh earlier today. When you look at the receivers that the Bears have drafted in the second round, I think Alshon Jeffrey was like the yeah. only one. Uh everyone else just was like. Struck out, right? So, I mean, you're telling me that you can give a second round pick to get a proven receiver who excels in the deep game, which is one of Fields' of strengths, which is something that we haven't seen, right? Because of obviously some of the issues and the fact that he doesn't have a lot of weapons around it, but Chase Claypool thrives uh, in the vertical passing game. So, I mean, I love the move. I mean, you have, you are always going to have to overpay for a receiver. Like, whether it was, I'd rather them do it now than go out in free agency, like where you said, completely weak group and then overpay one of them, right? right? So, and you still have Chase Claypool for a year and a half on his rookie deal with the potential, obviously, they are I'm sure they're looking to sign him to a contract extension, uh, depending on how the rest of this year goes. So, I mean, overall, I love the move. And it's a move that, again, is helping Justin Fields, helping your young quarterback, which is something that we've been pounding the table for all season.
1: Yeah, and a couple things. One, if you planned on maybe – taking an offensive lineman or a d tackle in the first round and then we're targeting a wide receiver in the second you got a you've already got a a guy with a second round pick that has a low bus floor because we know chase Claypool can play also this is a guy that likes to go vertical and a a lot of people in the chat saying that he was in the slot i don't think he liked being there he even i think he even complained this year that he wasn't running enough vert routes (laughs) whenever he was being interviewed this guy likes to go vertical so listen I know the second round pick was going to be a big pick but if you it was going to be a you know a high pick but it's a low bust kind of risk whenever you go get a Chase Claypool with a second rounder and you basically you give Justin Fields what nine games to get accustomed to Chase Claypool going into next season rather than a rookie who comes in in you know April or a free agent that comes in in March and April you're giving this guy a half a season to start building some chemistry with a guy that uh, hopefully is going to be a big contributor in 2023.
3: Absolutely. Okay, so John, we're about halfway through the season, kind of, so let's hand out some some awards. So who, as you say, is your offensive MVP through the first eight games? You've got 55 seconds.
1: Oh Well, I, I don't know how you don't say Justin Fields. I know they're running the ball incredibly well, but come on, Justin Fields is running the ball incredibly well uh, also, but he's also about b- passing the ball. Look, The first few weeks were clearly about Luke Getze doing some diagnostics on his quarterback. They were limiting his throws, and they were doing some trial and error. But look at what he adds to the offense. He is a dynamic playmaker that appears to be getting more comfortable in the NFL game, making plays with his arms and, of course, his legs. And I think this move for Chase Claypool kind of solidifies that the Bears are going to do what it takes to make sure Justin Fields takes another step. This whole season has been about the quarterback progressing. And while it hasn't been linear and progress is not linear, as we've been saying on this show, uh, we are seeing the emergence of something pretty cool with the quarterback position. So I guess I'm going to take this relatively easy question and elaborate as much as possible, because honestly, who else could it really be unless you're going to give a a committee MVP of the running backs?
3: OK, so that's exactly what I was going to say, because I'm yeah. like, OK, so John took the Justin Fields route. I'm like, OK, I'm going to just take the run game, because when you kind of look to it, it's it's obviously all the contributing factors. The offensive line has really struggled in pass protection, but they've done a great job in the run game. Oh, yeah. uh, and then you look at Justin Fields and the fact that the Bears have like three players averaging over 50 yards rushing and just the emergence of Fields in the run game. Just, they're averaging 100, about 190 yards that's on crazy. the ground game which is insane. Mm -hmm. And it's even more impressive because everyone knows their passing game is non-existent. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows they're going to run and they still can't stop it. So, I mean, like you said, if individually it has to be Justin Fields because what he's been able to do like with this in this situation, which is a quarterback's nightmare. And you're starting to see that, you know, he is making plays and improving (laughs) and impressing despite everything around him. I mean, how can it not be him? But yeah, I, I took the, the running, the run game committee approach. That's fair.
1: You can parcel out that trophy and give it out to there three different people if you want to. Go for it. Yeah.
3: There we go. It'd be like the scene of me Girls, you know, they just, I'll give you out the, the tiara. To I, don't, okay. I
1: don't understand that <laughs> reference at all, but uh, okay, <laughs> you lost me. But okay, I, well. I'll take your word for it.
3: <laughs> okay. So you probably see this coming. But for question four, you know, we're going to talk about who do you think the defensive MVP is through the first eight games? And this one might be a bit tougher. The clock starts when you do.
1: Well, I guess that depends on your criteria. Does my MVP have to currently be on the team? Uh, I'm kidding. I I, I digress. Uh, I guess looking at it holistically, I'm going to go with Eddie Jackson. Statistically, he's second on the team in tackles with 58 total tackles, and he's first on the team in interceptions with four. It looks like he got his ball hawking ability back after not having an interception for the past two seasons. And uh, outside of the stats, I think he has taken on a real leadership role on this defense. I think this new scheme and system has rejuvenated him, and he has been a really solid mentor to Jaquan Brisker, who is absolutely flashing as a rookie, as is Kyler Gordon at points. So with Robert Quinn gone and with Roquan Smith gone, he uh, he's, gonna, he's basically the OG on the defense at 28 years old, and he's going to have to continue – to elevate his level of play and be the defensive MVP on this team uh, if they're going to bounce back after losing two pretty defensive uh, – two key defensive players.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, Eddie Jackson's really the only current bear that, that comes to mind. I mean, like if Jalen Johnson maybe played a little bit more this season because, I mean, he's I mean he's holding down the fort there at quarterback while, you know, Kendall Vildor and Kyler Gordon have been targeted. But, yeah, like you said, Eddie Jackson for – Both reasons that you mentioned, like his production in this scheme. I mean, he's found the confidence and his play has just been outstanding. I mean, I think you should go for comeback player of the year. I think he has has four interceptions, but I think is tied for the most in the league, or it was last time I checked. And and like you said, the leadership role that he's now having to take on. He was named one of the permanent captains now uh, after uh, Robert Quinn was traded. And I mean, I've just been very impressed because for the last few years, everyone's been giving him the business. And he's just struggled. And to see what he's been able to do this season has been very impressive. And having someone like Jaquan Brisker there uh, is certainly helping because now Eddie gets to just play the position where where he's meant to play at free safety. So it's been really nice. And it's hard not to be happy for him to see the success that he's having. And, you know, he's someone that it's going to make the defense a little fun to watch. I mean, because there's not really uh, a lot to love besides watching some of these younger players kind of get a little bit bit more playing time. But, you know, Eddie Jackson, you know, he'll he'll probably have some plays here and there that will keep it a little interesting on defense.
1: For sure. And I mean, mean, we've been critical uh, of Eddie Jackson, but it's incredible to see him come back and really uh, thrive. In this in this defense and now basically have to be the uh, be the grown up in the defensive backfield with uh, with Kyler Gordon there and uh, with Jaquan Brisker there and Jalen Johnson is still pretty young, even though he's he's matured very quickly and became a pretty a great stalwart on the defense. It's a very young defensive backfield.
3: Absolutely. So, John, I don't know if you realize, but we do have a game on Sunday. Is there a <laughs> you game? you there's been so much happening. We still have going a game. On. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. At times it's felt like the offseason. But yes, there's a game on Sunday. And John, you're going to be at Soldier Field for this matchup against the Dolphins. So what are your expectations heading into this game? No clock for this one. Have at it.
1: Oh, man, I am excited. Soldier Field, Justin Field, surrounded by 60,000 Bears fans after spending a day with the Barflies. I'm going to be on cloud nine, my friend, so what are my expectations? Well, they're going to be a little more emotional than they normally are. I'm expecting a win. I'm expecting Justin Fields to throw for over 300 yards. I'm expecting Chase Claypool to not just play, but he's going to catch two touchdown passes as well. I'm also expecting Italian beef to fall from the sky, and the sidewalks are going to turn into tavern-style pizza. So my expectations, Bears 67, Dolphins 3. We'll be back with more phone 55 after this. <laughs> Hellas Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way, so <laughs> we never we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny.
0: Do Do you think that uh, Olin Kreutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded? <laughs> you I told don't. you what Olin. I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know that's why I'm asking. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's you know. There's no players around. Oh, on, Here, I'll
1: so... get the f*** out of my weight room.
0: Oh, and I go.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I think I got a commercial. <laughs>
3: Nikki. I'm here at Kings, just calling everyone to come join us on November 5th.
1: Welcome back to Buffoon 55. Hope you saw that quick ad we had on the screen regarding the get together. Many of the barroom show hosts are having this Saturday. I'm going to be there. Dan Aguirre, Danny Shiman, and several other hosts will be on hand, and we'd all love to meet you. Stop by King's Entertainment on, in Rosemont, Illinois, at 2 p.m. Central, located at 5505 Park Place. The parking is free. Yeah, I believe the info will be up on the screen here uh, eventually. So, unfortunately, Alyssa, uh, we'd love you to fly out, but you got like 9 million articles, right? So I guess you're not going to be able to make it out. There, but,
3: uh. <laughs> I know. I'm so sad. We're going to have to do this again so that I can definitely make the trip
1: absolutely and the guy putting it all together let's bring him on aldo gandia the barkeep how you doing buddy you're muted you're going you're Um, you're killing it we're off to a great start man
0: (laughs) it's gonna be an awful party <laughs> By the way, I'm really looking forward to this Saturday. It's going to be a great opportunity to have so many of the barroom show hosts. One of these days, we'll get everybody together Alyssa and some of the other people who can't make it. That would be tremendous. But also, I'm also excited about the opportunity, perhaps, of meeting some people uh, who are, have been following the Barroom Network for years, who have been great supporters. We call them the Barflies. I call them my friends. Uh, would really love to meet you face-to-face. So if you're in the Chicago area, get down to King's Entertainment, 5505 Park Place in Rosemont. Uh, it, the parking is free. You just got to get it validated at the at the place. There's bowling, there's pool tables, there's video games, there's beer. <laughs> and so uh, let's have a good time this Saturday. If you can't make it, we'll shoot some video and uh, make you really, really jealous, Alyssa, that you weren't there. <laughs>
3: so
1: mean <laughs> <laughs> so listen guys there's uh there's some, there's some things to talk about with this uh bears team here and so there uh, i want to start off just because uh we're getting we're getting some really good uh questions here in the in the chat room here so uh one of them was now uh, from j2k now that the trades have passed how happy are you with the roster the polls has built this season um this season, I know that we know, what's, we know what the idea is this season. The idea was not really to compete for a, for a championship. So I think what they are doing is getting a head start on what they want next season. And that includes clearing up as much space as possible and then bringing in a weapon for Justin Fields to see if he can build some of that chemistry up. And then we'll see if they're going to surround him with anything else uh, in the offseason. I think everything was uh, building up to next year. I think that they, they saw an opportunity to – get up basically get a second round pick for Roquan Smith use their own second round pick on a wide receiver uh, that they believe is a big bodied fast guy that can catch touchdowns and get vertical uh, and so we knew that this year wasn't this this, this wasn't about this year it's never going to be about this year so uh, I just think that they got a head start on what they wanted to do uh, Aldo since you just jumped in do, do you feel that that's kind of the same trajectory they're going at
0: Absolutely. You know, the more and more I think of it, uh, the more and more. And, and Ryan Post says, you know, we're still playing to win, but I, I secretly, I think that he secretly would love to have a top five pick in this upcoming draft no, because some, yeah. some great difference makers. Well, and that means, you know, not giving your team all of the weapons they need. Now he did go out and get Chase Claypool, which should help the offense. But, hey, we may be looking at a lot of shootouts over the next few weeks, right? I mean, can you imagine the Bears involved in a shootout with the Miami Dolphins where it's 40 to 39 uh, scores like that in the near future? But in terms of roster development, I really do believe that uh, Poles has done this the right way, as painful as it is. You know, um, it, it, it's really what I've been hoping for every new general manager to do, because everybody's always come in and tried to build a winner with what was left behind, and that's really not the best way to do it when what was left behind wasn't that good. I mean, come on, Jay Cutler, uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky. You know, you really have to start from uh, from the beginning. I wish. Everything would have been synchronized, where the coach and general manager could pick their own quarterback. But all signs are pointing towards uh, Justin Fields being a good uh, uh, franchise quarterback potentially. So uh, I'm I'm fairly satisfied with the way things are going right now.
1: How about you, uh, Claypool? How about you, Alyssa? Sorry, okay, <laughs> you know who I got on my mind.
3: <laughs> I love it, but first, <laughs> also, what's a, what's a, what's, a, what's that word you said? What's a shootout? I don't. <laughs> airs, yeah, wow. I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> somebody
1: told
0: me shootouts. So I thought I'd use it. <laughs>
1: it's uh, 13 to
3: 10. <laughs> yeah, and you saw these like low scoring. So that's going to take some getting used to, but I think that we'll have fun. But yeah, just to kind of like echo what you guys are saying. I mean, we knew that this season wasn't about winning. It was about development. So I guess like in terms of like the roster standpoint, now that Roquan's gone and Robert Quinn, now it allows you to get a look at some of these younger guys on the roster, like, you know, Dominique Robinson and get Seymour, Travis Gibson, maybe K- Kingsley Jonathan has something, and then obviously linebacker. I'm excited to see Jack Sanborn, you know, right? So now he was listed yeah. as Roquan's backup, so I, I'm interested to see him. I mean, I'm hoping that we get to see him. Maybe he'll start on Sunday. We'll see. So, I mean, I think from that standpoint, there's a lot of young talent on this roster, and we know there's going to be it's going to be a completely different team next year. But, yeah. you know, maybe some of these younger guys that, are, are currently under, like, those one-year deals. Maybe they impress enough to earn, earn a roster spot next year. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing that young talent and seeing, you know, what the Bears got.
1: Yeah, and I think that Ryan Poles, with some of the moves, he they, they, they understand they're going to lose some games. I think they'd much rather lose, like they did last week, 49-29, rather than losing 20-3 because they want to see the offense continue to pro- progress. They want to see, and they bring in a weapon for Justin Fields and say, hey, if the, if the defense or if the offense scores 25 or 30 and we lose, hey, that's still showing progression with the offense. We'll address the defense in the offseason. But it was all about making sure we got the right, we're getting the right pieces on offense. And so, um, like, like I said in the last segment, if there were three or four big names in the wide receiver free agent market coming up in the offseason, season then I I might be more inclined to say, hey, wait, you got got a ton of cap space. Go after one of those guys and see if you don't have to give up any draft picks for them. But there's nothing. There's literally nothing. There's not even a remnant of a number one receiver in the free agent pool going at the wide receiver position. So you go and you get a guy that – could it be the could it have the potential of being a one? If not, he's still an, a great playmaker with great physical attributes. Although I know you love him, uh, this is this goes back years. Uh, but uh, I and I I think he I think he's a great athlete. And I think if they put him on the outside and let him get vertical, he's gonna make a lot of plays and uh, and, and make sure you don't put him in the slot. I just don't think that he's that's not the right fit there at all. Uh, so so yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have some speed just flat out speed with uh, Darnell Mooney and you're going to have size and speed with uh, with Claypool. You, you hope another year with Bayless Jones turns him into somebody that can contribute to the offense. Uh, and then maybe you still draft a guy. Uh, and so I, I think that you, you have the, the the starting point of what you want the offense to look like. And I'm still of this and I, I probably sound like a broken record, but I just feel like they're gonna be of a mindset of, you know what, pay the offense, and draft the defense because you we've seen what investing big money does on defense we've seen what happens whenever you have a khalil Mack contract and a robert quinn contract and a Keem hicks contract and an eddie jackson contract when those are your top four or five contracts on the team sometimes you get a 2018 out of it but then you get a 2019 out of it and then a 2020 out of it and we know we know what that's true we know what that trajectory looks like so um Although out of all of the targets that people were talking about, you know, DJ Moore and, you know, Darius Tony was thrown out there. Obviously, Claypool has been a name that's been thrown out quite a bit. Uh, you, you, you nailed the the practice squad guy. Like that was that was that was incredible. You, the Chiefs practice squad guy. You, you, that, was it Fountain? Is that his name? I, I forgot I,
0: his name already oh, <laughs> I wanna,
1: i'm trying to give you credit here uh <laughs> <laughs> uh but out of all the names that were circulating out of possible trade targets so brandon cook's another one um do you think that uh that they got maybe the best possible the best trade target that was available
0: yeah i really do if we if we recall uh Right before the final preseason game, Ryan Poles told, I think it was ESPN or some of the national media people, that the roster that they had then was going to be completely different by opening day. And one of the things he said was, "We, we, need, we need a big, tall, big target wide receiver." They were really unable to land one, and until now, Chase Claypool. The philosophy is is that they love these big wide receivers, just like Luke Getze and the Packers loved those receivers. For uh, Aaron Rodgers, they want to install the same thing. And that's not to say there isn't a role for Darnell Mooney in this mm-hmm. offense. There is definitely a role for Darnell Mooney. But they love the of St. Brown, the Chase Claypool, Big targets to kill Harry who can run fast. That's definitely a weapon. And while they may not be the absolute best at creating separation, we know that they're still big targets because all you got to do is put the ball up here and they should be able to get it over a six-foot cornerback. So that, to me, is is very exciting. And, and what um, is also exciting to me is – the fact that we got Claypool now, and so he's got nine games to develop some chemistry with Justin Fields, the, the entire offense, and so when uh, it, it's basically a beautiful training camp for Claypool and the wide receiver group, I would not at all be surprised if this passing game for the Chicago Bears is really humming by the time we get to those last several games, and we'll need it against the Buffalo Bills.
1: <laughs> for sure, uh, Alyssa, your thoughts on Claypool?
3: yeah and again you just said like something else passing game what is that <laughs> <laughs> these are like new vocabulary words I feel like I need to tell myself and I'm gonna get used to to losing in shootouts you know make I don't know can the Bears stick with Josh Allen and the Bills that would be a Christmas uh, treat for sure that's a Christmas I don't know, yeah, I'm miracle
1: they'll make Alyssa, they'll make movies about that <laughs> that'll, that'll be a Christmas movie if that happens
3: what about two scores two scores I, I, that's, that's respectable fine. I would, I would be fine. celebrating at that point <laughs> No, but yeah, by me. I I love the addition of, of Claypool. Like we were talking about before, I feel like he's the perfect weapon for Justin Fields and what Justin Fields wants to do vertically. And you know, there is a stat from Next Gen Stats about Claypool having run the fifth most go routes since he entered the league in 2020. And you know, Fields has been target has targeted go routes on 11% of his attempts, which is uh, eighth most in the league. So like he's going to be someone to stretch the field, which is what Justin Fields wants to do. And that's something that we've been yearning for. And, you know, Claypool gets more, definitely more separation than some of these other receivers that the Bears have. I just think, and, and, and like Aldo was saying, like the important thing is now, you know, they have these final nine games to build that chemistry. And they have the entire offseason as well mini camp, training camp, all of that. So that you know, hopefully we're hearing all these stories that we heard about Justin and, and Darnell and how, you know, close they were and just continue, continuing to work and develop that chemistry. Now you have a chance to do it with Claypool on the field, which is going to give be a lot of help for them. So I'm really excited. It, it's, it's a very weird feeling to be excited about the offense. But the combination between Justin Fields, obviously, and getting him a shiny new toy and, and Claypool, which, you know, a lot of Bears fans were hoping that, you know, the Bears had drafted him instead of Cole Komet back in 2020. So now they got both of them.
1: They do you're you're absolutely right and uh, i was trying to while you were talking i'm thinking what would they make what would be the name of that christmas movie if the bears were to beat the bills <laughs> on christmas i'm thinking miracle on lake, well, well, I, didn't say I, didn't beat. lake I said lake, keep lake up <laughs> is, is miracle on lakeshore drive or no, uh, there there go. <laughs> That's I mean. uh i and just to just to kind of put a, a button on this the whole the roquan and the and the uh claypool thing how about that you know, that 20 was a 2018 draft class for, for the Bears that we had such high hopes for. And like because you look at it, it's like Roquan Smith. All right. Middle's taken care of. James Daniels is going to be our center for the next 15 years. Trade up to get Anthony Miller. Oh, boy, this is, is going to be the guy that's going to be a playmaker. And then you look down in the fifth round, Bilal Nichols and Javon Wims in the seventh. And it was very very promising, but none of those guys are on the team anymore. Not one player from the, from the 2018 draft class is still on the team, which is, uh, which is unfortunate because you would think, well, whether it's four years ago, if a draft class from four years ago would still have one player on the team, but that goes to show what the, what the, the, I guess the journey of this team has been to have to tear it down and some of the guys leave and they wash out or they don't work out. Uh, And so that's, that's very unfortunate. Uh, I do want. I, I saw a uh, question way back before we even went to break. I think about uh, a, a running back being potentially taken in the first three right? Yeah, would you be okay if the Bears drafted a running back with a top three round pick? Um, not in the first. Uh, not in the second. And unless it's going to be an absolute steal in the third, I can't, I can't justify that either because I just feel like you can get, you can get a contributor in the fourth or fifth round. I mean, they got, they got Jordan Howard in the in the fifth round. Uh, was Tariq Cohen a, a fourth round pick or, uh, so, I mean, you can find these, you can find these contributors to uh, late in the draft and, you're likely not going to give them a second contract unless they're an all world beater. So I, I, I don't like, I don't like the top three, maybe in the four five or six, if you don't re-sign Montgomery, uh, and, and you have Khalil Herbert as your bell cow and Ebner's there and you're thinking, well, we need one more guy back there who can maybe pass block. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta find, maybe you can find someone in those late rounds that can do it. But, uh, I, I don't, I, I just think there's too many needs. I think that's a luxury pick. That's like that's like when the Chiefs took Clyde uh, Edwards-Alaire in the in the in the back end of the first. Or uh, you know, I um, I'm thinking back way back when the Colts jo- drafted like Joseph Adai in earlier in the draft because they had everything they wanted on offense and Jaden Manning just got himself a running back. So uh, I, I I wouldn't necessarily anybody would anybody disagree on here.
0: I don't. And Ravi goes on to say, what if what do you think if they want a, a went high a halfback higher than expected some of these guys look good i just don't see that happening because you know there are some really outstanding running backs this season who's who's got guys that i've never heard of (laughs) you know and and i think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that um defenses now are it's it's different than Doug Buffon's days where it was stop the run first, first and foremost stop the run. I think now it's stop the pass. I, I really do believe defenses like now. You know they got you got all these shell defenses. You're, you're starting the game with on a nickel defense. The the, the strong side linebacker. You're, you're only playing two linebackers. You know it's the game. It has changed, and um, you can pick up quality running backs in mid round. So I don't see that happen. I I, frankly, with so many holes to fill, you still need that three tech. You still now, now you need that weak side linebacker to replace Roquan. You still need help at the offensive line. Uh, Those three spots to me should
1: be
3: what the uh,
0: draft team is targeting uh, in the upcoming draft.
1: Melissa, I assume you agree.
3: Yeah, no, definitely, exactly what Aldo was saying. Like, there's so many holes in this roster. I mean, most of this, most of this roster is not going to be here next year, and there's there's a lot of positions to fill. And even receiver, right? I mean, I would expect them still to draft a receiver because they have what Mooney, uh, Claypool, and and Jones uh, under contract next year, and that's it. So go out and get a receiver, right? But now that you have Claypool, you don't have to, you know, prioritize it the first two rounds, perhaps. So, um, but yeah, th- there are way too many holes. I mean. There are some, some good running backs uh, out there, and, and my, my, my guy from Michigan, Blake Quorum, is one of them. Uh, but, I mean, I don't see the Bears doing it. They don't need to. Uh, there are bigger positions of need, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, Damian Pierce for the Texans, I believe, was a was a fourth-round pick. Uh, Tyler Algier, a fifth-round pick for Atlanta. You can, go, you can find these guys late in the draft, and you can plug them in. I think that that's probably a position where you can play early and contribute, uh, and you're in – you don't necessarily have to be a first or second round pick uh, to do so, but I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a good question. Um, let's let's go to another user question. What do we got? Although, no, just throw something up. Uh, we'll see, we'll see what
0: we got. Um, well, we already answered the Claypool fit in with the wide receiver group, but we haven't talked at all about AJ Klein, the linebacker picked up in that Roquan Smith uh, trade. Uh, first of all. Do you guys know anything about this guy?
1: <laughs> no, I I looked him up whenever they whenever I saw that he was part of the trade and basically just that he was a, a, he's a journeyman, uh, been around, and I know that um I, I don't think the um the Ravens fans were not too heartbroken about him coming over, so uh, I I feel like he's probably a stopgap. He's probably a guy that you can throw. I, I don't. Uh, he's a guy that can have, He's thirty one. Uh, he can probably. Probably bring some experience in there and go and play, but... Or thought he was a coach, uh, so we'll we'll see. Uh, I I don't expect him to be a big contributor. I think he was just a roster spot because they lost a linebacker. They had to gain a linebacker. <laughs> kind of like if you're if you're uh, if you're playing Madden, you got to trade a position for a position just so you, the the roster stays the same. So I I, I get it, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe uh maybe maybe this is a big get, and AJ Klein, has a, re- a renaissance. He's a renaissance man or a resurgence in his career, and he's all of a sudden uh he's all of a sudden going to be the guy there. But. But I, 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 don't count on it. Anybody else count on that? No, no. Jack Sanborn. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
3: yeah. Let me see the young guys. Yeah. I mean,
0: I do, I do think based on, you know, Jordan said that uh, he played well for the Panthers uh, back in the day. He's probably a reliable uh, linebacker who has stuck around and, and moved from team to team because you know, in a pinch, you need somebody, you need a body there, and he can step in, and that's what the Bears need right now. So hopefully, you know, some of the other guys will step up, and we don't see too much of A.J. Klein other than special teams. But, uh, you know, it it could be worse. We could have uh, uh, – I'm forgetting the name of that awful linebacker during the Mel Tucker days when uh, Erlacher left. But We could have one of those guys from –
1: The kid from Boise State that they drafted? Oh, uh, Shay <laughs> McClellan. <Yes. laughs> You're talking about Shay McClellan?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I was trying to forget. <laughs>
1: okay,
3: we've all that out.
1: Yeah, I remember. And then they tried to put him at the end, I think, at one point, and it just didn't work. He actually, I think he ended up going to New England after that. But yeah, that was a. That was a fun. That was a fun time, wasn't it? Uh, hey guys, you're bringing the
3: show down now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Bostick was another one. Yeah, thanks, J2K. Bostick. Oh
3: man, I, remember, I need to grab a I drink. Remember, <laughs> I remember once they they
0: somebody released a photograph of him without his shirt on. And I was like, "This guy is a professional football player." I mean, he was like, "I, I wish I could." I had the nerve to show you my flab, but that's it what was, he had, he had flab around.
1: Jay McClellan, who we were talking about. Yes. Oh boy, first <laughs> yeah. round pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember the one big hit from John Bostic in the preseason that like made all the highlights. Like everyone because... thought about John Bostic, John Bostic, John Bostic, and then all of a sudden he's not on the team. Uh, like a, like a year or two after that, It's like, "Ah." Oh, no good. Uh, so, but I digress. I don't know how we. I don't know how we went down this road of the island of misfit linebackers. We started talking about AJ Klein here, but we're uh, like, going back.
3: We want to go forward, guys. Yeah, let's let's, forward. we
1: want to go forward. We <laughs> want to. We want to, We want to talk about the what, the future of the Bears, not the yes. not the nightmarish past. Uh, All right, well, uh, I,
0: got a good, I got a good There's one. another
3: Christmas movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Here's one from Toreen. He says uh, he wants a top five pick so we can trade back for more picks. Would you guys be in, for- in favor of that?
1: Well, in favor of tanking or in favor of ha- or trading a, a top five <laughs> pick? No, let,
0: let's assume we have a top five pick. Would you okay. be in favor of not picking the guy who is probably going to be a superstar to acquire more
1: stars? See, this is where I really need Danny Shimon because I need to know if there's a top. I need to know if there's a top five three technique that would be taken to a top five or top ten. If not, I I don't think that I would prefer it move down and maybe maybe what do you move down to like you know ten or eleven and then you get another first round pick next year and maybe another late round pick. I I would I'd be fine with having that treasure trove of picks mm-hmm. uh, and then next year you have two first round picks. So uh, I I would be fine with that unless there's an absolute. You know, generational talent at a high, highly sought-after position. though, that they're not going to draft a quarterback, uh, and, and if, is there a generational edge rusher that was going to play in this in this uh, in, in this defense? I don't know, but I think unless you know, there's something that says we absolutely cannot pass up this guy, like a like a Micah Parsons or something of that nature, then it's like no, nah, okay, we can. We'll, we'll move back five or six spots. 10 spots and then we'll take your first next year and your third this year or see what you can get for. because there's going to there's going to be a few quarterback desperate teams going into this draft who are maybe aren't necessarily going to be top three top four picks, but are going to be willing to move up and so off the top of my head, but Carolina is going to be looking for a quarterback. Uh, geez, Washington will be looking for a quarterback. Uh, we don't know if the Texans are sold on Davis Mills, although they'll probably have like a top two pick anyway. Uh, and so, but there, there are going to be some teams that are going to be in the quarterback market and are going sure. to be possibly look to move up. And if the Bears have one of those picks, we've seen what teams will give up. We saw what what uh, what Washington gave up to get Robert Griffin III. We saw what some teams give up to move up into the top uh, you know, two or three picks. So I'm still not sold that the Bears are going to be picking three or four. I still think that there's a couple wins left on here that are going to have them around like maybe the 9 10 range. Uh, but even then, if, if there's still a, a highly sought after quarterback that is still in the top 10, somehow slips, and someone's like, hey, we got to go up and do it. We got to go up and get this guy. The Bears could be holding a golden ticket to, to have a nice little treasure trove of picks. Mm-hmm.
0: Jordan's listed three, uh, uh, three tech candidates that could be in the top 10 brian barisi Jalen carter and miles murphy and then he goes on to say this could be the year like greg gabriel remembers when the three tech prospects slips to the bears because of other needs just like you were saying john
1: Mm -hmm. yeah because i think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to try to go up and get a quarterback which leaves really talented other positions slipping in the draft and somebody that has maybe a top five talent Maybe falls to ten or eleven because there's quarterback needy teams that say, "Hey, that's great, but we got to get a quarterback." And we've seen we've we've we see that every year. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, but that I mean, a lot has to happen. There's a I don't there's still a good amount of teams that I think that are worse than the Bears, <laughs> and so we'll, we'll we'll see how that ultimately uh, plays out. But this defense does. We'll talk about the current state of the defense. What, what are you? What uh, we have talked about? What uh, what garners or what it qualifies as success holistically for the Bears every week? But what would what would uh, theoretically or realistically be success for the Chicago Bears defense this week against Miami? I because I, I, like once again, well, like I always say, I love asking questions and I don't have the answer or an opinion. On, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna throw, I'll throw it. uh Alyssa, I'll start with you. What what actually is success? For the Bears defense,
3: this uh, holding Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle under a combined three hundred yards—I think that would be a success. Considering that's, matters, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, I mean, the defense—it's going to be rough. There are going to be some rough games, but hey, with the hey shootouts, I gotta—we gotta get used to them. But yeah. I mean, Kendall Vildor, I, I think one of the earlier comments is like, Kendall Vildor is going to be covering Jalen Waddle. So I'm happy as a fantasy owner of Jalen Waddle. So, <laughs> I mean, that could be, that could be rough because Kendall had, had a, rough, a rough game against the Cowboys. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think whoever Jay, – Jalen Johnson will have a nice challenge, I think, this week. So we'll get to see. I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you can attempt to contain those guys, one or any of them, right, I think that would be success.
1: I guess, although, what do y'all you, you feel about
0: that? Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, at this point, you want to see individual progression, you know. I, 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 of course, we want to see the Chicago Bears win, but if that doesn't happen, at least if we can go back and say, Wow, Jalen Johnson really did a tremendous job on Tariq Hill, and Kyler Gordon did a great job on uh, on Waddle, and even Kendall Vildor uh, looked good. And boy, oh boy, uh, that pass rush rush is giving Tua a real hard time. Uh, finally, we see Muhammad uh, putting pressures on the quarterback and uh, 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 Tua being flushed out of the pocket because we were getting a, a, a steady inside pass rush without having to blitz, which is something that this team likes to do is to avoid the blitzing and not put pressure on these young defensive backs. So if we could see some of that individual progression from players where we look at the stat line and say, wow, they did good. And we look at the highlights and say, wow, that was a good play. That would be really satisfying. But again, John, you and I are going to be out there with a bunch with sixty thousand other fans. We want victory, baby.
1: Right. You're you're, you're you ain't kidding, and I uh, I agree. I'm I'm uh, I agree with Jordan. I just saw his comment. He's like, keep keep him under forty nine. That'll be fine. <laughs> <But> <laughs> keep, keep him under forty nine, and it's, uh, it's 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 successful. That's a W. But uh, Aldo, I, I gotta I, I need to know what I need a scouting report. What's the, what's the uh, atmosphere going to be like? in soldier field because listen there's big news all throughout the week where you trade your you trade your your, your best defensive player at least your best linebacker your generational piece that you picked at number eight overall not too long ago uh and then you bring in chase claypool who i guess was what was he work? was he working the run the, the walkthrough today or did he practice a little bit today i don't know i don't know how many snaps we can expect out of uh, out of chase claypool but uh What's the uh, what's the temperature going to be like? Not not the actual temperature. I know it's going to be chilly, but <laughs> what's the actual temperature going to be like uh, in Soldier Field, do you think?
0: I think you're going to see a fired up uh, Bears crowd. And the reason what, what is because uh, Roquan uh, unfortunately kind of wore out his welcome with his actions to on the day that they're holding Family Fest to release that. Uh, social media comment about the negotiations falling apart and it seemed like it was like a a desperation pass and you know woe is me kind of thing. That, that didn't sit well with the organization and with the fans. I mean I saw a lot of people who were Roquan supporters uh, uh, doing about face with Roquan. So I don't think that Roquan's uh, departure from the team is going to dampen the spirits of Bears fans. Now, once they see his replacement and how poorly he is compared to Roqua, that yeah. might change things. But I also think that they're going to be very excited about Chase Claypool. A lot of Bears fans are also Notre Dame fans, and so there's a, already kind of a built-in kinship there. And then the biggest uh, thing is – Everyone is so excited here in Chicago about Justin Fields. Everyone is seeing the progression. They're they're waiting for that one huge breakout game, and it could happen against this Miami Dolphins defense. We could have a verifiable, dare I say it again, Alyssa shootout. <laughs> you're,
1: you're jinxing the hell out of this. You're I like, am. You, I uh, am.
0: It's gonna be a ten to twelve
3: game. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I want to I want to go to Cliff's question here. What do you guys, and lady, think about Justin Jones as a new captain? Um, I, I mean, it must just show his leadership in the locker room. Uh, I think he had what two sacks this year, twenty some tackles. Uh, I it, I think you get voted a captain not because of your production, but because of your value to your teammates and what you bring uh, inside the locker room, not necessarily on the field. So uh, I think that that's if if they if they if he's the captain, there's a reason for that. Uh, there's there's a, there's uh, something that we're not that we're obviously we're not privy to we're not around the guys every day. So if they, if that's, that's, it's, that's who they're going with. That's fine. Cause that, it makes sense for them. Uh, and then I do want to go to J2 Quay's uh, J2K's question about how comfy is everyone with Iberflues? Is he the leader you hope for? Do you think this team believes in him? I, I do, I, I do believe in him. Now it's, is you can talk about the, the schematics and the ski and the, you know, you know, the defensive guy and the, the GM combination and they should have went offense. If you want to, if you want to have that conversation, that's fine. I, I totally understand that. Uh, but what I do see is a guy who's very level headed. Who's a very straight shooter. And uh, I think he and Ryan Poles operate on the same frequency. I don't think Ryan Poles does everything, anything without really contemplating how it's going to affect Matt Eberflues. And I think that they're in sync and, You know, God willing, most GMs and uh, head coaches are, at least in their first season. So this has to be a long-term evaluation. But uh, I I just like the way that he handles himself. He just seems like the grown-up in the room. He's not trying to act like the smartest guy in the room like we've seen before. not going to give you a bunch of word soup about stuff and just say, here, have have at it. Uh, I I just like the way that he handles himself. I think he's a leader of men. And I think that he's getting people to buy. I think he gets the team to buy into it. I think that he uh, the biggest thing Ryan Poles likes about him is that he gets his players to buy into the system. Uh, is the hits you know the method to get people because it could have come off as cheesy? Yeah, sure, whatever. But I think that uh, you buy into a culture, and I think they're they're setting the base for a culture this year, uh, and we'll see how that transforms and takes the next step next year when hopefully Ryan Poles does his part and supplies enough weapons around the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. To put a contender out there with Matt Eberflus's scheme, so we'll see. Anybody else?
3: <laughs> no, yeah, like you said, the you know these players have bought in to what Eberflus is doing. I mean, just look at the game against the Cowboys, and you know where they were down three touchdowns, and they got it back to within five. Like, I mean, it, it's impressive that the one thing you can say about this team is that they have not quit this season. Yeah. That they have that effort, which we've seen in like the Mark Trussman era, right? Like, so the fact that they bought in, Eberflus has them ready to go. And you know they never quit. I, it's it's really impressive, and it, it, I get excited about like, hey, when there's a like a legit roster there, you know, let's let's see how what Ipaflus is able to do with this thing. So, I mean, I, I've I've loved what he's what he's done uh, with this uh, with this team this year, and looking forward to the future.
1: You look like you have something to say, although you put yourself in the big screen there for
3: a second. I, I,
0: have, a, I have a new trackpad, and it is the most sensitive thing I've ever touched in my life. So I, I, I got to be really careful. So I apologize, Alyssa. So uh, I went to my close-up while you were
1: talking. Barge into the conversation, huh? Stealing my
3: thunder. Yeah.
0: yeah. So – My thoughts are this about Ibra I wish I was a player. I would love to play for a guy like that, a guy who treats everybody with with respect, a guy who takes the CEO approach, who wants the coordinators to coordinate and wants to position coaches to position coach and establish relationships with the players. I mean, uh, Dan Aguirre was, after uh, the 49 points uh, given up by the Cowboys, uh, he was saying, you got to fire uh, Alan Williams. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, uh, you got to remember, first of all, we don't really have the players uh, to to go to that extreme about firing coaches. Let's get the roster set first. And secondly, if there's anything wrong right now is that some of the position players are not doing some of those basic things that Iberflus talks about every week at every press conference. He talks about, you know, Uh, all, all, you know, set your hips, do this and do that and so forth. And he says it's the position coach's job to get that out of the player. So at the end of the year, that's when we will assess, you know, was it really the talent level or was it the position coach? Uh, And from a schematic standpoint, then we can start to talk about whether Williams did good things schematically or not. But I, I think we're a long way away from anybody talking about Firing Eberflus, Williams, Getsey. Let's play this thing out. And I think we're going to be in for some nice surprises with, with what this coaching staff is developing.
1: And uh, I think that Jordan makes a good point here when he says, I don't want to fire anyone yet, just that the scheme on defense is is vanilla, which is it which may be true, but I think that the the coaches are also evaluating. Hey, we don't have the talent to mix things up yet. We don't have the talent to go with an intricate playing defense. We don't have the players around to evolve. Where if if they get a few players, maybe now that's like I said, I'm going to wait till next year to see if they get some ball players on both sides of the ball and see. Hey, how do we how do we make this a little more intricate? How do we make this a little more fancy? How do we throw a little more wrinkles into that? Uh, it's uh, and. It's it's almost like whenever you're whenever you're doing a high school ball and you're trying to you're trying you're you're trying to do some fancier things on defense, you realize you don't have the athletes and say, you know what, we're just going back to the four four. Do what you know. Just go back to the four four because everyone here runs a five 40 and we don't have the players to do anything that's special. So we got to go back into the base defense. So uh, I, I think that uh next year is going to be very 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 telling and i, and I hate saying like oh we got uh, preaching patience is not what i'm good at because i don't have any uh but like it's i'm not i'm not i'm not the i'm not the person to be at the patient's pulpit but here but but i but it, it, i really do believe that it needs to happen because next year is when we can actually judge things so uh that's just that's kind of my opinion on that <laughs>
0: Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll remember that when uh, I go run an errand for you while you're in town.
1: I better hurry. I'm not very patient. I'm not, but I got I got to, I got to at least act like I am because I'm trying to convince <laughs> myself this is all gonna be okay. I'm not like I'm not freaked out like oh my god the the sky is falling. But I'm also just like okay man I, I hate the fact that I gotta wait until September 2023 to get super excited about this now like now I gotta wait like I waited eight months for this season and it's like well this season's kind of a wash so I gotta wait until September of next year and God willing it's gonna they're gonna be better so uh we'll, we'll, we'll see but uh yeah uh although but I'm, I am not I don't expect you to be my errand boy but uh I may, may have this <laughs> few requests for I
0: am going to make you breakfast. So, uh if if Wonderful. it's a little late, uh I apologize.
3: And bring me bring Damn, me I'm stop by there's breakfast. Absolutely.
1: Please come by. He's going to going to bring me the paper, my coffee. <laughs>
3: That's right. Oh, wow, you are, Aaron boy?
1: <laughs> I'm going to be uh, my feet propped up in a robe, smoking a bubble, a a bubble pipe. <laughs> They still make those toy bubble pipes, or they don't like they don't allow they don't like kids smoke <laughs> oh bubble gosh. pipes anymore. Like, do you, you, you guys know Get what I'm some talking candy about? Cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, they don't. They certainly don't make those anymore. But anybody else have the bubble pipes where you you blow on and the bubbles will come out of the pipe? Absolutely,
0: okay. the triple okay. one, the, the one with three bubbles coming yeah, out. Yeah,
1: yeah, those those were cool. They they probably don't market those too much anymore because no. they probably got. Kids hooked on smoking. Probably, probably shouldn't do that. Uh, that's we're not we're not running a PSA here. But probably shouldn't do that. Uh, By
0: the way, Saint Omni wants to know where you're sleeping, and uh, Cliff is asking, "Are you giving John the message?"
1: Well, I assume, given that it was renamed the Buffon Suite before. Uh, before- <laughs> oh yeah so there's there's a there's there's room service uh i believe I, I i hacked into your cable service so now you have hbo which is great uh looking forward to that uh I'm, i i assume you're digging a pool so that's, that's going to be really. another thing so it's i'm, I'm pretty uh pretty, you know pretty excited for yeah That's <laughs> yeah, true it's gonna well, it's gonna be like 60 some degrees out there right it's gonna, it's gonna oh. be not it's not gonna be terrible out out there that's it's a hell of b&b that
3: you have going there all the yeah <laughs>
1: While well, mean, I'm
0: getting ready list. for the stadium opening, you know.
1: I got there you it. go. That's true. You're in a prime. That happens.
3: I'll be, I'll be. looking to stay at the B and B Yeah.
1: Yes. How, how far are you from uh, the Arlington Heights uh, track?
3: It's about
0: two and a half, three miles.
1: Oh my God! Oh, Jeez, you, you're gonna be in prime real estate, man. You're gonna. Yes, you, you could. You could. You could Airbnb your your uh your rooms for like five hundred bucks a night. and then so people can just Uber on over there. That'll be uh.
3: You can buy a no, golf no, I cart might, and just transport drive people
1: to the stadium. I might need to start looking at some real estate around Arlington Heights there. Oh, Aldo, you looking to you looking to sell? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: You listen to all bidders.
1: Well well before I uh, liquidate my four oh one K to buy Aldo's house, I think we should probably wrap this up. Uh any <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts before we take it home?
0: Go ahead, I'll listen to you first.
3: Oh what well, are, what what are you pressure. working
1: on? Final thoughts? No <laughs> oh, pressure what am I or anything. On in-
3: Man, everything. I mean, I've been, I was telling Alda before you got on, like, I've been thrown off this week with all the trade stuff, so yeah, just getting to Bears-Dolphins coverage, uh, gonna, its a lot of it's going to be starting tomorrow, so, <laughs> I mean, thank you, Brian Poles, and, yeah. I mean, when the Roquan trade happened, I was in my car, driving, because I thought that I could go to the store, and I would be safe, and then that happened, so I pulled over to the side of the road, and I'm like, on my phone, just like... <laughs>
1: Well, they're spreading get get them up. out. They're spreading them out because you had to do the whole Robert Quinn thing last week. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay, we we finally covered everything. Oh, we're going to go trade for Chase Claypool now, too. So I <laughs> can only imagine. I stayed
3: put for the Claypool. I'm, like, I'm not leaving my house on Tuesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Staying put in the chair. So, yes, going to have lots of Bears-Dolphins content uh, while you guys are, are are up there having some fun. So. Enjoy.
1: What, a, what a wild trade deadline, by the way. The most active trade deadline oh in the NFL in NFL history. Like it, it, it turned into like the NBA MLB trade line a trade a trade deadline where it's just like, Hey, we're moving in because I I don't know what set it in motion. I mean, I know it's a copycat league, but like the fact that the Rams went out and got Von Miller and then signed OBJ like in like late in the season and then won the Super Bowl was that really enough for both for a lot of teams to be like, hey, we're one player away, let's bring him in because it's not like other sports where you go and you get a big bat in baseball, you plug him into the lineup. There's a whole new scheme and routes and. You gotta learn all of this stuff. You gotta the guy, and then the whole sheer fact that you gotta move from a different city, probably find a temporary residence, find the place, figure out where their facilities at, meet your teammates, and by that by that point, it's like what it, week twelve or thirteen. Maybe a lot of these guys they're they're traded for just to just to be part of the playoff push because that's basically what you know the Rams did. But it was incredibly active trade deadline. It was exciting. It was, it was knowing fun. that knowing that it was three o'clock and there was still like there was one trade like for a like a Kansas City uh cornerback that happened like right at four o'clock. It was wild. Mm-hmm. It came in right under the thing. It's like it was I mean, it's not like it wasn't like a big name, but I'm just like, holy smokes, I can't believe people are the teams are still active like this. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty fun just to, to watch. I can't imagine you know having to cover it like you were, Alyssa. But it was really fun to just watch it on TV and seeing all the action. So uh, it, it was a it was a very fun week in the NFL. Uh, Aldo, what do you got?
0: Well, I got to tell you, um, despite the fact that we've got a losing record, this really is becoming one of the more enjoyable seasons. Disappointing, of course, because you always want your team to win. But we're seeing this – I hate to quote Colin Coward of all, of all people, but on his show he said, we're seeing the Bears grow right before our eyes. And everything else he said was wrong, but that part he was right. And so we're seeing this, and I'm really super excited that, you know, we're kind of on the ground floor of something that could be special. Now there's a hell of a lot of work for this team. They're, they've got to hit on these draft picks. You can't, you know – Draft a dud at one and two and so forth. You got to make some wise investments with your money and so forth. But right now, all signs uh, point to uh, Pose and for being guys that d- deserve our respect and deserve our our patience to let them do things that they the, the way they want to do it. And uh, and of course, Justin Fields. The last few weeks, I mean, I, I got to a point where I was starting to doubt a little bit and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, things have turned around. And so I'm excited to see what Claypool is going to add to his growth. And, uh, and I'm excited about the fact that we have this event on Saturday and we're going to meet all sorts of great people and have some fun. Uh, so uh, things are good uh, at the Barroom Network and with the Chicago Bears.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited for the weekend. I'm excited for the season. I'm excited for next season. Uh, And and although I think you made this point earlier in the week that now the, uh, now the spotlight is on Ryan Poles because he made these moves and now he's going to have to own uh, every move here from here on out is his decision. And it's him putting the team together and there's not going to be anyone else to blame if it all falls apart. So now he's put all the pressure on himself to build a franchise by acquiring the picks, trading away some of these guys and now he's got it and now he's the one in charge of building this roster and building uh the future uh of this franchise so I think that it's going to be very interesting to see I'm, I'm still uh very hopeful about it I'm, I'm certainly not uh I'm more on the upswing of positivity which is very rare for me so I'm, I'm going to try to ride this as long as possible <laughs> but I, that I, that I think that this we is gonna have a positive
3: uh, show yeah, this is a weird.
1: This has been a weird positive show, and I, very I, I, weird. I'm not. It's kind of. It's kind of freaking me out. So I will. We'll see. Because we'll we're coming Direction. off a loss, but this. But I, that's like I said before. it Seems like that happened like two years ago. So it's hard to hard to remember that uh, Cowboys game right now. So we'll see. We'll see. And I'm. On, and I'll. I'll. I'll end by saying I'm incredibly excited to uh to see some of the people that are fans of the of the bar room. I've been uh you know been on this. Network for six years now and I and I can't wait to just be immersed uh, in, in the uh, in the area around the people that have been supporting this show and this network and it's it just blows my mind how awesome. This community is the fact that we have people on. Uh, I, I'm hosting a show where people actually care, and that, that that's that's really really awesome. Where people care what we talk about. They were I'm talking about my favorite thing in the entire world, the Chicago Bears, with two of my great friends. And then they're my great friends in the chat room are talking about the Bears. I can't w- wait to meet some of y'all in person. It's been it's uh, incredible. So uh, looking forward to this weekend. Going to be a great weekend. I get to see some of my family out in Chicago. I'm going to a Smashing Pumpkins concert. I'm going I'm going uh, to the uh, going to see the Chicago Bears on Sunday and then I get to drive about 13 hours home after that so (laughs) (laughs) so it's gonna be a uh it's gonna Mm -hmm. be a fun packed weekend and I can't wait so uh we're we're leaving you on a positive note so that will wrap it up for this edition of Buffon 55 for Aldo Gandia and Alyssa Barbieri I'm John Buffon we'll see you next week everybody